0: Thank you for listening to Changed by His Word, a podcast of Pine Level Missionary Baptist Church, featuring the preaching and teaching ministry of Pastor Brad Lee. We invite you to join us each Sunday at 11 a.m. for worship. For more information, visit us online at pinelevelmbc.org. And now for today's message. Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse 28, the Bible says... One of the scribes came and heard them arguing, and recognizing that he had answered them well, asked him, What commandment is foremost of all? Jesus answered, The foremost is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. The scribe said to him, "Right, teacher, you have truly stated that he is one, and that there is no one else besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the, all the understanding and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as himself is much more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered intelligently, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one would venture to ask him any more questions. Now, growing up in the 1980s, I loved the game of baseball. I grew up just a few miles down the road in Clayton. It was a small town when I was growing up. Population was about 4,500 people. And it seemed that everything in the town revolved around Little League Baseball. I mean, we would look forward to Tuesday when the newspaper would come out. We'd be able to look at all the stats and who did what and who had what batting average and who had this many strikeouts and, and who played well. We were able to see all of those things. I mean, it was a big deal in our little town. And my buddies and I, we not only played baseball, but we would eat, drink, and sleep baseball, if you know what I'm talking about. And and there was a a difference back then versus today. Everything and everyone did not receive a participation trophy. You play the game, you get a participation trophy. It didn't work that way back then. The way it worked back then is if you didn't show up for practice, you didn't play. It doesn't matter how good you were. If if you finished the season and you were in 2nd or 3rd or 4th or 5th place, you left in 2nd, 3rd or 4th or 5th place. But if you were in 1st place, you got a trophy, right? But but those are things that I remember back in Clayton in the 1980s in, in Little League Baseball. And, and the other thing that stands out is my coaches instilled in us a strong work ethic. I mean, we learned what it means to to run and to work hard and and to really aim for a goal. And back then I played third base. I also played pitcher as well. I mean, I hit home runs. I I had strikeouts and I won awards in in little league. And, And then it came time for middle school. I don't know about you, middle school was not a good time. It came time for middle school, and, and we had middle school baseball tryouts. And the reason being is there were so many people that wanted to play, but there were not enough spots on the team, so you had to try out for the team. And I remember trying out for the team and running and catching and, and pitching and hitting and, and all of those things. And, and then I remember the coach announcing, okay, we're going to be posting the cut list today. You can go by later this afternoon and see if you made the team. And I remember going by and standing outside that classroom and looking at that sheet of paper posted on the wall at the cut list, and I started at the top, and I moved from top down to bottom looking for my name, Bradley, Bradley. Got to the bottom. I said, to be sure, what in the world? I started at the top again, and I, I worked my, my way through, and I got down to the bottom, and they left my name off the list. What in the world? Come to find out. I didn't make the team. The reality was, I I, I didn't make it. I didn't make the team. I I was close to making the team, but I didn't make the team. As we continue our journey in Mark's gospel, in our sermon series entitled Servant and Savior, we come to a passage and we're introduced to another man that, that was close, but he didn't make it. Close, but he didn't make it. And, and we're not talking about baseball. No, what we're talking about today is eternal life. We're not talking about making a, a team here on earth, and we're not even talking about being close to doing that. What we're talking about is we're talking about entering in to the kingdom of God. And I, I pray this morning that, that God will open our eyes to just how important and how relevant this word is specifically for today. There are three truths I want to lay on your heart in a message that I've simply entitled, Not Far From the Kingdom of God. If you're taking notes, notice first, the man with a burning question. Now, there was one scribe that overheard the conversations that had taken place. If you've been following, in, following us in Mark's a gospel through this journey, you know that... Uh, People have been approaching Jesus, asking questions. Primarily they came from the the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders. And then the Pharisees came on the scene, and the Sadducees came on the scene. And they're basically trying to trip Jesus up asking these questions. They're nothing more, honestly, than a bunch of hypocrites. And and they're trying to see how Jesus is going to answer the questions that they're asking. You know, they were individuals that really paraded their authority... Yet they were arguing with Jesus, the one that's been given all authority in heaven and on the earth. But now we come to a, a different situation, a, a different individual, and we notice a man that's labeled as a scribe. And his question is, is a much different question that, than what has been asked previously. Now, when you think about scribe, that begs the question, well, what exactly is a scribe? Well, we were introduced those as recently as Mark chapter 11, verse 18. Again, the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders. But according to one writer, and I quote, scribes in ancient Israel were learned men whose business was to study the law, transcribe it, and write commentaries on it. The scribes went beyond interpretation of Scripture, however, and added... Many man made traditions to what God had said. They became professionals at spelling out the letter of the law while ignoring the spirit behind it. End of quote. But yet this man was still different. He was a different scribe. He was unlike the Pharisees and the Sadducees that were really deep down trying to destroy Jesus. He seemed to have a legitimate question. And I would encourage you this morning that God is not afraid of your questions. Don't ever think that I've got a question and I I don't know if God can answer it or not. Sure He can. God's not afraid of your questions and He's more than willing to answer your questions. And I've come to learn over the years that there's no such thing as a dumb question. So if you don't know the answer to your question, ask the question. So I like to think of this man as... The man with a burning question. You see, he had a lot of knowledge concerning the law. He knew what it said. He had studied it. He had written it down. He had, uh, had tra- translated it. Uh, yet, there was a question deep in the recesses of his soul that he needed to have the answer to. And what better person to ask this question than Jesus? Jesus. So he approaches Jesus, and here's his question. What commandment is foremost of all? In other words, what is the greatest commandment? I want to know, teacher. I want to know. So, So deep down, he knew that there was more to life than the here and now. He knew this because the Bible says that God has placed eternity... In the hearts of man and for many today they think the body and this life is all there is and they pay little to no attention whatsoever to the soul I love what CS Lewis once said he explained it so well he said you're not a body with a soul you're a soul with a body you've been created to live for all eternity every single person that's ever been created Will live for eternity in one of two places, either in heaven or in hell. So Jesus responds to this scribe's question, and what I want you to know the question concerning the commandment, Jesus answers it perfectly. And what he does is he goes back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 5. Write that down. What Jesus does in his response in answering the question is he quotes a well-known passage of Scripture. As a matter of fact, all of the Israelites would have known the passage. As one uh, writer said, it could be compared to uh, John 3.16 today. For those that don't even attend church, if you say John 3.16, you'll hear them say, well, for God so loved the world. I mean, they know it. That's kind of like this passage was for the Israelites. Everybody knew the Shema. Well, what is it, preacher? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. So let's walk through this. Jesus says to the scribe, and pay close attention because he's not just speaking to the scribe. He's speaking to you and me today as well. This is what Jesus says. You're to love God with all of your heart. Not just the muscle that pumps blood, but with the very core of your being, you're to love God. With with every fiber of your being, you're to love God. Let me ask you, just a side note, how's that working? How's that working? Not only are you to love God with all your heart, you're you're to love God with all... All your soul. Although this life is short, one day it will cease to exist. As I pointed out a moment ago, the soul will live for all eternity. The Bible says it's appointed for man to die once and then comes the judgment. But once this physical body dies and it's laid in the ground, the moment you breathe your last breath, you're going to spend eternity somewhere. It was a burning question in this man's soul. Jesus says to love God with all your heart. To love God with all your soul. One author explains it this way. The human soul is central to the personhood of a human being. In other words, personhood is not based on having a body. A soul is what is required. Repeatedly in the Bible, people are referred to as souls. But he continues. You're to love God with all your mind, with your intellect. You're to love God. Listen to me. With every thought, somebody said you have between fifty and seventy thousand thoughts a day. With every thought, you're to love God. Are you Are you trekking with me this morning? Do you understand the magnitude of what I'm saying? This is the greatest commandment. You're to love God with all your heart with all your soul, and and now Jesus says, with all your mind. In other words, there's not a thought that you ever have that's not centered on loving God. Yet Jesus takes it a step further. He adds another condition to the Shema that we find in Deuteronomy chapter 6, and he says that you are to love the Lord with all your strength. Now, for those of you who go to the gym work out, get my side pose here. I mean, with every rep you're doing, I'm loving God with all my strength. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, right? With, with all your strength, Jesus says. And, and what I want you to see here is this. It's easy to focus on these four attributes, But yet it doesn't stop there. Notice verse 30 and and pay close, close attention to the qualifier. Look at verse 30. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the man with a burning question. But notice, secondly, the man seems to have the right answers. We find this in verses 32 and 33. Notice what he said to Jesus. He said something very similar to start with as the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He referred to Jesus as teacher, but yet keep in mind, I believe his question is legitimate. I believe that unlike the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he's really asking the question because he wants to know the answer to the question, and he says to Jesus, Teacher, you have truly stated that he is one, and there is no one else besides him, and to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as himself is much more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. Those would be good deeds. So intellectually, this man, I mean, he knocked it out of the park. If it would have been a written exam that he took, 100. He got it. He got it all right. However, it wasn't the right answer. I I love what Kevin DeYoung does when he explains this. I think, think he explains it so well. The state of this scribe. Listen carefully to this, and I quote. He writes, the scribe has a basic theistic worldview. There's one God. He created everything, and he's strong. He believes the Bible is true. For him, it's the Old Testament. He affirms the authority of Jesus in Deuteronomy and Leviticus. He affirms the importance of basic morality. I need to be a good person. I need to love my neighbor. He understands that religion is more than formalism. It's not just I go to church. He's been surrounded by God's people his whole life. He grew up knee-deep in true worship of God. He's been around it his whole life. He's got nothing but good things to say about Jesus. He's a fan of Jesus. End of quote. He believes that there's one true God. He's a scribe. He knows the Scriptures. He's a good man. A good moral man. I mean, he wants to do the right thing. He wants to do what's right. He was intellectual. And it doesn't matter how intellectual you are, head knowledge will simply not suffice. He seemed to have all the right answers. But the scribe needed something that he didn't have. And the same is true of you and me. We need something that we do not have. Notice thirdly, the man who needs salvation. Verse 34, the man who needs salvation. Look at verse 34. When Jesus saw that he had answered intelligently, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Back in verse 33, Jesus said, you are to continually love God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And that's a major problem for the scribe. Although he answered the question, and it seemed to be answered correctly, this scribe could not do what he stated in his answer. He said, teacher, this is what you are to do. Although he didn't say, teacher, that's exactly what I have done. Why? Because this man couldn't do it. He could not love God that way. And neither can you, and neither can I. And on top of all of that, if if that were not enough, on top of all of that, Jesus says, hey, here's a second command, and that is you're to love your neighbor as yourself. How's that working out? You're to love your neighbor as yourself. And your neighbor is not just that person that's to your right or to your left. Your neighbor is that human being that you come into contact with when you step outside these four walls. That's your neighbor. Jesus says there's no other commandment greater than these. Jesus would also say in Matthew's gospel, of these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So all of those Ten Commandments can be summarized in these two. Hey, you know what the Pharisees and that group of religious phonies did? They said, you know guys, the Ten Commandments, that's just not enough for us. We need to be nitpicky and we need to go through and and check these commandments out and they came up with 613 commandments. And then you know what they did? They went around and examined the people that We're standing beside them. Are you doing that? Are you following the law? You're not doing this. You're not doing that. You're not loving God. You're not doing that. They were religious phonies. They were pointing out other people's mistakes. And that's why Jesus said, hey, before you look at another brother to judge that brother, to take the speck out of their eye, hey, for crying out loud, pull the log out of your own eye. 613. In other words, they said the Ten Commandments are not enough. We need more commandments. And they couldn't even keep the Ten Commandments to start with. And neither could the scribe, and neither can you, and neither can I. You see, the law was given in order for a man to avoid condemnation. I'm sorry, the law was given, and in order for a man to avoid condemnation, both now and eternal, man had to uphold the law in its entirety. We're talking about the Ten Commandments. Shall have no other gods before me. Shall not lie. Shall not covet. I mean, you know them. Honor your mother and father. There's not a... Hold on. Hold on. There's not a single person in this room that from the day you've been born until now you've honored your mother and father. I mean, for real. Well, haven't you, preacher? No, I've not. So the law was given, and if you could uphold the law in its entirety, that would be enough to get you to heaven. But here's the problem. Nobody apart from Jesus Christ has ever done that. As a matter of fact, James 2.10 says, For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, if you just break one of those, you're guilty of all. And this scribe reminds me so much of the rich young ruler that we we saw back in Mark chapter 10. He said to Jesus, Good teacher, What shall I do to inherit eternal life? This scribe says, hey, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And the problem with the rich young ruler and this scribe is the same problem of so many today. Many people are trying to earn their way to heaven by doing good deeds. But yet when we look at the gospel, the gospel says, it's done. Jesus hung on the cross. He said, it is finished. I've done for you what you could never do for yourself. So many people are trying even today to earn their way to heaven by doing, 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 doing. Listen, you look at any cult, any cult, and a lot of the world religions, and this is what they say: you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to do this, that, 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 that. You gotta go to church, got to read your Bible, whatever. And Christianity is the exact opposite of that. Jesus left heaven and came to earth and did for us what we could never do for ourselves so this man didn't perfectly obey the law he couldn't perfectly obey God we can't perfectly obey God only one person ever perfectly obeyed God and his name is Jesus so what does the law do the law points us to Jesus you see it's about falling at the feet of Jesus and surrendering to Him as Lord. Well, preacher, why on earth do I need to do that? I mean, you just don't know me. You don't know how I live my life, but I do know this. The Bible says that in the beginning, God created a perfect world. He created two perfect people, Adam and Eve, and they willfully chose to disobey God. They sinned against God. And sin is anything you say, think, or do that's displeasing to God. And you have sinned and I have sinned. Well, how do you know that? Because the Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. So what we get as a result of our sin is not only physical death but eternal separation from God. But I'm so thankful that God loves us. Amen? I'm so thankful that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And I'm so thankful that Jesus died in my place. And I'm so thankful that Paul tells us in Romans 10 that if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, with all your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Saved from what? Saved from sin. From self, from the world, the flesh, and the devil, God will save you and change your life, radically change your life. This scribe came face to face with Jesus, and Jesus loved this scribe. Notice how he responded to him. It wasn't a a harsh rebuke. Not initially. He said, you know, you've answered it right. you're, You're intelligent. Verse 34, when Jesus saw that he had answered it intelligently, I mean, he had a a legitimate, casual conversation with this man. He loved the scribe. He extended grace to him. He offered mercy to him. And he said, you've answered it intelligently. And, And then he said these words. He said, you are not far from the kingdom of God. I love what Kevin DeYoung says here as well. He says, the scribe, he's close, but he's not in. He's close, but he's not in. He goes on to say that instead of living in the house, he's been camped out in the basement. And all he needs to do is just come in. He's close but he's not in. He, he's not, not very far. He, he's near, but he's not in. So, so what's the missing ingredient today, preacher? What did this man need, and, and what do we need to do today to enter the kingdom of God? You need Jesus. You see, although you and I are not looking this scribe face-to-face like Jesus is. We've opened the Word. And the Word is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the, the depths of our soul, the joints and the marrow. it a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. When, when you look into the Word of God, you see who God is and who you are in light of who He is. And God loves you today. He loved this scribe. So what's missing, preacher? A response to the gospel. We find none of that in this passage. Now, I don't know how the story ended, if if it went any further than this, or if this is all that Mark records, but the, the last words in verse 34 are, he said to him, you're not far from the kingdom of God. And then, then after that, no one would venture to ask him any more questions. That was it. That was all of the questions. And what we're going to see moving forward from here not the Pharisees and the scribes asking these questions, but Jesus providing instruction. What does all this mean, preacher? What, what does all this mean? But well, what is Christianity? all about. Well, I can tell you this it, it's not about doing. It's not about coming to, well, I come to church? I come to I come to church more than you do. I come to church every Wednesday, I come to church every Sunday. I've been coming, well, not recently, but normally I come to Sunday school. I've been to Sunday school every Sunday for the last 30 years. That doesn't cut it. That's good. Well, I read my Bible. Well, that's good. Well, I I, I I'm a good moral person. Well, praise God, that's good. I'm surrounded by a bunch of godly people. Well, that's good too. That's four good things. But what did Jesus say? That doesn't work. So Christianity doesn't say do, it says done. It's not about being good, but it's about being in a person, and his name is Jesus. It's about you individually saying, I recognize that I'm a sinner, I repent of my sins. I've been trying to do, but I'm saying done in what Jesus did on the cross. And I'm trusting Jesus with my life. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship. Now, you know, looking back to middle school baseball, it it would have been nice if someone would have come up to me afterwards and said, you know, Brad, I'm sorry, didn't make the team. Your batting was terrible. I mean, you just didn't hit the ball well. Or you you missed that ground ball. I mean, you were unable to fill it. You threw the ball uh, over the first baseman's head. If somebody would have come to me and said, you were close, you were close to making the team, but you didn't make it. That's life. This is life. That was a game. We're talking about eternity, and eternity hangs in the balance. Jesus said, you're not far from the kingdom of God. Maybe you're close, but not yet in. And Jesus has spoken to your heart today. The Holy Spirit is working in your life. And you say, preacher, today, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. We're going to give you an opportunity to trust Him today. But what about for the Christian? What about for for me, preacher? I've been trusting Jesus all along. Well, praise God. Trust Him today. Amen. Praise Him and thank Him for His goodness. Thank Him for sending Jesus. Never get over the gospel. Never get over the elementary principles of the gospel. Remind yourself each day that you're a sinner that's been saved by the grace of God. And thank Jesus for dying in your place. You've been listening to Changed by His Word, the preaching and teaching ministry of Pastor Brad Lee. We hope that you have been encouraged and challenged by this message. If you have any questions about the message or about your relationship with Jesus Christ, please contact Pastor Brad at changedbyhisword at gmail.com. Thank you and God bless.